Welcome to Deconstruct, a podcast by The Real Deal and your source for all things real estate. I'm your host, Isabella Farr, and today we're talking about architecture and looking at how the pandemic has affected design firms. We're also discussing how the pandemic has spurred new trends and how architects are adapting to the new needs of developers. So, how exactly were design firms impacted at the start of the pandemic? Well, in March 2020, development and construction across most of the U.S. was put on hold as real estate developers and everyone else grappled with uncertainty. Everything stopped, and a few months later, things started to pick up again, and people took, took, took a deep breath, and we were able to recuperate somewhat. But, but really, a lot of stuff went on hold. We, we certainly saw that. That's Jonathan Marvel from New York City-based Marvel, an architecture firm that has worked on everything from waterfront residences in Brooklyn to hotels in Puerto Rico. We were able to, you know, we, I think we lost a lot of our city projects were put on hold, and that represents 30% of our work, and private development went on hold, and that, that's another 30% of our work. So it was pretty tough for us and for everybody. I think the normal cycles of activity in, in the real estate world, which were, you know, every, it, there's a cycle of a boom and a bust. And I don't want to exaggerate it too much, but what the pandemic did is that it just, it hyper, in hyperspeed, sped up the cycles and peaks and valleys were a lot deeper and higher and, and brought together within a one-year period instead of stretching out over, say, a 10-year 10, 10 period. Is there a project that you're particularly proud of completing during the pandemic? I can ease, that's an easy one to answer. The, um, the one project would be the YMCA in the Northeast Bronx, which we started before the pandemic. It just started construction before the pandemic. Uh, everything stopped and a lot of our, we, we specified a really beautiful material called Corten steel and it was all shipped to the site and then it had to sit on the site for six months. And, and it, it's, a, it's a vulnerable material that just sits flat with the rain and the humidity and everything. So we had to scramble to um, to clean this material and make it look great. And we were able to meet that challenge, great contractor on board for the YMCA, but that that's a big successful project. While the pandemic disrupted some development, Bernardo Fort Brescia, a principal at Miami-based Architectonica, says the pandemic didn't stop his clients from planning ahead. Our clients believed that the genius of mankind would find a solution to the, to the virus. And therefore, people were planning for after. So in fact, I think in our profession, at least in the size projects we do, which, are, which take a while to execute, I think that our clients felt comfortable that the future was there. We designed for the future. It could take a year or more to do design and work in drawings and get building permits, or sometimes entitlements even longer. Then is construction that could be two years, three years, depending on the size of the building. So we're really designing for, let's say, the earliest three years from now, and maybe four and even five. Quite different than somebody who's offering a service that is immediate satisfaction. But that doesn't mean Architectonica wasn't affected at all. For example, our Asian office is shut down, and we can't travel in and out of Hong Kong or Shanghai. So they became insular, and they became really serving the very specific place where they were. And for a while, it happened in Brazil as well. But that has affected us in terms of our ability to perform for places that are not where the office is located. Bernardo, can you talk about one of the most challenging projects you've been working on? 
one of the most challenging projects that we've been working through the pandemic, where a lot of changes has happened, is on the cruise terminals. We're doing two two cruise terminals, and you know the cruise industry was very hard hit. And I think the way access controls, the size of the waiting areas changed rapidly. Even though they're not going to be ready for a long time, I think that the cruise lines sense that they had a responsibility about uh, how to uh, address the future in their uh, in their terminals. And those are complicated buildings because you deal with a lot of people and now you have to combine health safety together with security and servicing a cruise ship. But the pandemic has also forced developers and architects to adapt to new ways of living. Emerging from the COVID crisis, people are looking for a new space to experience, whether it's uh, for work, for home, for recreation. As a general thought, this space is now going to include a lot more open areas. Patrice Darrington is a professor of real estate development at Columbia University's Graduate School of Architecture. For instance, in the workspace, we are finding that there will be a range of responses to going back to the workspace. Some will be hybrid. Uh, There will be remote options. Uh, Many people have seen the value of being uh, physically present uh, at work, at least for some of the time. So there is going to be a return to gathering in the workplace. The differences there that architects are addressing is how to make this workplace feel more healthy and comfortable and safe. Now we're going to have uh, a range of options for the worker, a cluster of workspaces, and the actual sizing of this will vary. There's also going to be breakout rooms and then also independent or private spaces. And, And that's really something that was introduced by the shared workplace, like WeWork and so on, where they started to enable people to include socialization along with their working activities. This shared office concept is new for the American worker, but this isn't the first time that developers and companies have redefined what the workspace looks like. The 20th century, we had quite a revolution in in the format of workspace. By the 1950s, there was a a sort of a resurgence of a hierarchical system with private offices. Later on in the 60s, when we started becoming a little bit more interested in personalizing our space, uh, the idea of cubicles arose. And so unfortunately, what happened then is more and more workers moved into urban areas, space became more and more expensive, companies became more and more motivated about the, the bottom line, uh, those cubicles became tighter and tighter. So the worker was squeezed into an ever-decreasing uh, workspace. Out of this arose a, a different format. As I say, people uh, wanted to get up out of that tiny cubicle and do other things. So we had the introduction, as I say, by WeWork, uh, but by various other people too, uh, to have a more open area, more clusters of workspace where people could do different things. Jonathan Marvel also sees the pandemic as a turning point. The upcoming topics that, that we see regarding the pandemic, which are never going to go away now that, now that we've taken a bite of, of the apple, we've gained knowledge and uh, we're getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden when it comes to how we work together, uh, I think our work environments will never go back to what they were. People are now a 
adjusting to a flexible working environment, whether they can work in a collaborative structured situation or they can work from home. We're going into a, an environment of, of, of flexibility, of more choices for more people, um, and hopefully all that translates into a, a healthier and working and living environment. If there's one element of architecture that really became very appreciated and maybe was overlooked before was open space. Bernardo Fort Brescia says everyone wants terraces in open space now, even in office buildings. I don't think people were thinking of putting terraces in offices that often. We were doing a building before the pandemic because it was in Florida with terraces. We were already doing it in France because it was sort of a trend in France, but it's now universal. The office building that we just built in Miami for the related companies where their headquarters in Florida is located and where many hedge funds that have moved from New York have also relocated to and where some technology companies have relocated to. And the primary reason was there's an amazing rooftop terrace and every floor has a terrace that is usable, not just a balcony. It is the highest rent in town because it has this deep terraces when you got outdoor meetings. Patrice Darrington sees apartment buildings changing too. Now, in apartment buildings, in dense urban areas, uh, these people are also going to be looking for uh, some more space, particularly a desire to have access to outdoor space. Even though this is going to be challenged a little bit as North America goes into winter, the options of being able to go to a rooftop a shared rooftop perhaps in the building, those sort of things are starting to become uh, amenities that uh, residential landlords will provide. If office and apartment buildings start to change, Jonathan thinks that cities as a whole will start to change too. We're going to see a lot more uh, conversions of, of what was strictly one use kind of space. We're going to see that going into more flexible space. So you're going to see some changes in zoning. New York City zoning has, has always supported these areas designated for one specific thing. So here's a residential area, here's a manufacturing area, here's a commercial business district. I think we're going to see that change and and go into these multiple use districts. So there's going to be much more of a hybrid of a living condition uh, where there will be housing mixed with offices, mixed with retail, mixed with home manufacturing, the working remotely coupled up with the internet's information highway coupled up with Amazon's, and I don't just want to pick on them, but the kind of the delivery system of goods and, and how that's affected the retail world. Looking ahead, architects are going to have a lot of work to do. And right now, firms are having issues with getting materials and with finding people to work. I, I think the, uh, the issue is, is what's going to happen next year. This is not a sustainable environment with construction costs and lack of manpower and things like that, we're definitely going to see something slowing down probably in 2022, but that's okay. Everybody can kind of breathe a little easier if things slow down. But I think, uh, you know, our society is seeing so many upheavals and, and when that applies to architecture and design and urban design in our cities, the changes are, are enormous. Deconstruct airs every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Or you can listen at therealdeal.com. For comments on this episode or on the series, or if you have an idea you'd like to share, 
feel free to reach me at podcasts at therealdeal.com. Next week, we're talking about senior housing communities and how these developments are offering a wave of new amenities. Tune in then.